Plant connoisseurs, welcome to episode eight of Fancy Plants Podcast. Can you believe we have our first guest today? Yay. We're very, very excited. We have Sean Bouchard with Brayheed Gardens with us today. And as always, we have Sue. Hello. And Amanda. Hello. So there's four of us in the studio. And of course, we have some plant friends, but we're going to introduce them in a minute. First of all, just want to tell you a little bit about Sean. He co Sean, you co-own your greenhouse with your mom, Lorraine, right? Yep, we yeah. Yeah, we own it together. Perfect. So you opened your greenhouse in 2013 and you are located not too far from us, about 20 kilometers north of Grand Prairie, Alberta. Uh, so folks, you probably may not know where that is. Just give that a Google. We're pretty far north. So to have a greenhouse up here is uh, quite a feat. And Sean's going to tell us a little bit more about how he does that. Uh, in just a few minutes, and actually, we could probably do that right now. Sean, why don't you take two or three minutes? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, well, thanks for having me, ladies. No problem. Uh, yeah, like 20 minutes here in Grand Prairie is like no big deal, but you go to Edmonton and someone's like, oh, I want to drive 20 kilometers. Where's the closest greenhouse? Yeah. And here we're like happy to make a 20, 20 kilometer drive. Very true. Oh, it's very true. Yeah. 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 So we started the greenhouse in 2013, and uh, both my mom and I uh, worked at uh, another local greenhouse. I think she worked there for three years, and I think I worked there for two long time ago now and we both loved it and so uh we decided one day driving home we were like carpooling together and she looked at me and she's like we could do this <laughs> <laughs> and i was like yeah you're probably right and you did yeah and so uh we set a goal and then um we both went to work and got like real jobs and uh saved up to make it happen and then lots of sweat equity lots of sweat and tears yeah that's what happens in a business right and mm -hmm. it, you know it, it usually is one of those conversations that you have with someone where you say, you know what, I, I think this could happen. And mm -hmm. I think you're a great example of making it happen. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit more about all of the cool things that you do. Uh, but first, you brought us some plant friends. Tell yeah. us about them. Yeah, well, when you uh, invited me, I was like, so am I allowed to bring plant friends? So <laughs> like the first question. That's always, uh, the answer is always yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, I brought three. Um, I was going to bring two. And then I kept staring at that Rafa DeFora in the corner and I, couldn't help but bring him too. It was a tough one to squeeze in the car, but it fit. So um, the first plant closest to Amanda, I have a Manjula pothos. That was pieced together over three different cuttings put together in the same thing. And then like three weeks ago, my cat, Harrison, he actually knocked it over. So it landed like uh, top, top first. Oh, no. It's looking good for having an accident. Absolutely. No damage at all. Um, I stood it up, put the dirt back in and didn't miss a beat. So that was pretty cool. Harrison's a lucky cat. Lucky cat. <laughs> He'd actually knocked over a 10-inch Brazil philodendron that was in a 10-inch ceramic. He managed to knock that off the shelf, too. Oh, no. So he's getting a little bit naughty. Then in the middle, we've got the Raphidophora tetrasperma. Um, for the viewers listening, it's probably like two and a half feet tall it's out of beautiful. the pot. We will take picture. We'll do a photo shoot before you leave mm -hmm. here, Sean. Good idea. Um, actually, if you guys notice, like at the, at the five-inch mark, there's a zip tie holding them together. Uh, we got them climbing vertically on the pole. And then about 10 inches up, there's another. And that's the last one. No more zip ties on the way up. Oh, he's rooted on. That's awesome. Yeah, he's kind of holding himself there a little bit. So that's kind of cool. That is and cool. then um, he, like every leaf is progressively getting bigger, which is cool. Because um, at the last house, we were just moved July 1st. 
And um, that wasn't the case there. So it's getting better light now. So that's cool. I see you're at the top of the pole. What happens now? I don't know. I was thinking like before the roots get too deep, I'd give him a bigger pole or build an extension and put it on. Um, I have another one at home and he's probably like a foot longer than this one, but not on a pole. He's just splayed out. And he's actually started to grow like two new branches off the side. So I'm thinking maybe this guy might do that. And then if he does, I'll just pinch the top and stop it there. Oh, very cool. Yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah. And then the next plant over, that's an Epipremnum pinatum. Um, <laughs> say that 1200. <laughs> Sorry, say that yeah. again. <laughs> I don't know. I might be saying it wrong. I don't know. Epipremnum pinatum. Okay. Yeah. That's impressive. Um, well, it's what I do. <laughs> and then uh, the leaf that's pointing towards you, Chris, uh, when we moved July 1st, that, that was the only single plant that was damaged in the move. And you can see that leaf that's got yeah, a little hair I in can. it. That's the only thing that was hurt in the whole thing. It's just character. Right. <laughs> so anyway, I just got that one probably like, um, I can't remember, maybe two months ago. And it's like easily my favorite plant. Well, we sure appreciate all four of you joining us today. Yeah. Uh, you know, we usually talk a little bit about what we've been up to in the last week. Uh, Amanda, let's, what have you been up to? I am taking it easy for once. Uh, we're done summer lift at work and that. So uh, I'm gone, revert it to hiding in my house and making jam because that's and, what I do. And of course, uh, listeners, you heard last episode, uh, Amanda got her marks on the air, which was super cool. So you're done school now for a little while. Uh, still debating as to whether or not I'm going to take a class here in September. I might wait until December and actually enjoy the rest of the year. I think that sounds like a good idea. I'm thinking that's yeah. a great idea. Any new plants this week? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I got a kind of a side eye flick on that one. So I'm not sure if Amanda's going to share with us. I, I opened the door today and I'm like, oh, look, Purolator was here. Um, I, I might have tripped and fell and... Landed on a couple more jewel orchids, but that's okay. That happens. Yep. That happens. I'm excited there's somebody locally that's into jewel orchids. Uh, yeah, it's a thing. Yeah. They're it so really pretty. is. They're so pretty. They are pretty amazing. Sue, what did you, what'd you get up to this week? Uh, not much. Just kind of relaxed and enjoyed the heat and the thunderstorms. And uh, I didn't get any new plants, but I lost one. Uh-oh. Yeah. My uh, Callistophilia. <gasps> I know. I've had it for like a long time and it was doing so well. And they grow so slow. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, one day I walked in and there was like two yellow leaves and one on the like one on the shelf. And I was like, uh oh. And then I left it. And then the next day there was more. So I cut off the end to root it. And um, I think it got overwatered. I think somebody helped me water plants when I was away. And then I think because I thought, oh, it didn't get watered for a couple of weeks. Now I'll water it. I think that it ended up getting root rot because I know they're highly susceptible to that. So you had a, a dramatic display. Yeah, I had a dramatic death. It was, it was very dramatic and a little sad. But hopefully this piece roots. Absolutely. I'm so sorry to hear that. I know. I'm really That's, sad. It's such a fun plant, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. And the textured leaves. Mine doesn't yeah. grow too fast, but they're beautiful. They, uh, it grows slow. Oh, yours too. Mine yeah. is going like a weed right now, oh, but really? I just moved it. So Mine too, actually. And I'm so sorry because I just realized that I sent a a picture in our group chat today saying, here's a new leaf on my, my Clistophylla. Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry, like... Sue. <laughs> I remember when I'd had new leaves. <laughs> apologies. <laughs> apologies for that. I, okay. I'll name the new leaf after you. How does that sound? Aw, that's yeah. so sweet of you. <laughs> Any new plants for you, Sean? Um, no new plants. I'm actually pretty low-key in regards to like online ordering. I don't do a lot of it. Yeah. Um, a lot of things kind of just, I don't really go hunting for plants really honestly all that much. If it lands in my in my path i get it i feel like plants just kind of come to you i i feel like in the in the industry i'm in a lot of 
casual conversations happen over the till. Yeah. And then I'll be like, oh, I've been meaning to get one of those. And they're like, oh, I'll bring you a cutting tomorrow. Yeah, and I'm exactly. Like, oh, okay, how much? And they're like, oh, okay. and then they set a price and it's just done. Nice. But I don't, I'm not a big fan of um, botanical hunt that has to happen where you have to be like, Set an alarm on your phone and make it happen. I'm just not into that kind of stuff. Oh, oh we are see, all I'm guilty. all about the hunt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. it works in your favor on occasion. It does. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Like when when I'm the when I'm the online store. Yeah, well, <laughs> or when I'm like, hey Sean, do you want this? Yeah. I don't Yeah, well, you gave me a wicked um wedding gift. It was all right. Yeah. Actually, you know what? That was actually like I remember I was having a really bad day that day too. And yeah, you're like, you were hey. having a pretty rough day. You're like, hey, are you like near sex? I'm like, yeah. And you go, Well, come meet me at the bank. Okay. Sure. And I get there and you hand it to me. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I think uh, I actually got teary eyed, I think. You Aww. did. You, you got a little misty. I was going <laughs> to yeah. leave that out. But yeah, you got a little misty yeah. on that one. So we mentioned a wedding that we crashed probably in episode one or two. Sue and I crashed a wedding and it was Sean's wedding. And it was mega fun. So much yeah. fun. It was a good night. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for letting us crash. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, also got some a new plant this week. I actually literally... Just walked in the door and I heard the door open and close and I said, oh, my variegated plumeria is here. I mean, my husband is here. And so I will admit that I did leave you ladies down in the studio for five minutes while I went and looked at it. <laughs> <laughs> so variegated plumeria, I actually didn't even care if it was variegated or not. That just was kind of lucky. But I've been looking for plumeria this year and I haven't found them anywhere. So I was um, lucky to grab that in that uh, sale we were talking about last episode too is uh, the online frenzy and it is it is stressful. It's stressful to do that. And if you're not into that, then more it's, for me. It's like jumping into a pile of snakes. It's yeah, it's crazy when you those online plant sales and the Ooh. amount of like the amount of like forethought you have to put into every every time you're trying to get in one. You have to have like your tabs open and have an account created and oh like, yeah, be ready. I'm so competitive. <laughs> <laughs> when I win, I'm like I am. That rush stays with me for a long time. So. I can't see a time I won't take part in those. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like a variegated plumeria is a good one to go mm. for, though. I felt really lucky to get it. I didn't even really realize how rare they were until I was like, oh, I want, I just wanted a plumeria. I knew that one was coming up, managed to grab it. And then afterward, I was doing a little bit of reading about it. I was like, whoa, I scored. So it is upstairs. I will show you guys after we're done here. Yeah, it's very exciting. How did it ship? I know the leaves uh, on those plumeria are pretty... It, it looks a little bent, I won't lie. Uh, so hopefully I'll be able to just fluff it up a little bit. But it did look really good. It actually looks like it's been spliced, which I've never seen in a plumeria before. But I will get all three of your expert opinions when we go up and visit uh, that new plant. Anything else happened this week? It's been pretty quiet yeah. for me for once. Yeah. We yeah. just got back from camping at the start of the week. Oh, and we okay. spent three days down at Pipestone. And uh, we got caught in that giant thunderstorm. Mm. That was an amazing a storm. Yeah. I kept, I, I got up that morning. I'm like, I wonder how Sean is. Yeah. Oh my word. I, well, you should have been saying how Savannah. Cause I, like, I, yeah. I loved it. Um, there was a few where I got like, I've never been scared of a thunderstorm before, but the odd crack when you're in a tent in a river valley is terrifying. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, Savannah wasn't into it. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. See, that's a rush. I think I'd like, like, I love thunderstorms and I like when they crack and it scares you, but you're like, okay. A little bit of an so, adrenaline rush. But I did think of you lots. I was like, oh, I wonder how they're making out. And I thought of Savannah because I she was already kind of worried about it from the beginning. Yeah. And for those of you that don't live in the area, we had a phenomenal lightning storm on Sunday night. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I only live 15 minutes from the park. I'm surprised Savannah wasn't knocking on my door. I thought about texting you guys, like running to the top of being like, if it gets hairy, can we uh, stop Abs by? The answer is <laughs> yes. Always. 
that'll be like day two. We're coming for showers. Yeah, that's you know what? That's fine. You know, wouldn't be the first person. Yeah. Noted for any uh, any time I go camping, which will be never because I refuse to tent. That's fair. Yeah. I might come stay over at your house. <laughs> also fair. I will we'll frisk see. you for plants before you leave. But <laughs> that's probably not a bad idea because we are looking for sec- weakened security points in your home. So, you know. Do a little bit of digging once in a while. Hey, where is that window? And then you're like, well, there's bars on it. And I'm like, okay, well, what's your the pin number of your bank card? And you never give me that. And it's very disappointing. So well, what direction are the windows in your new office then? <laughs> is that upstairs? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> They're going to have bars and electricity running through yeah, the Yeah, I'm debating an electric fence. I feel like there might be an Mission Impossible coming on soon. It'll be the plant episode one. Oh, you like booby trap your office? We can, oh, yes, we can try to get hang. in. We can try to get in. You can booby trap yeah. it. I'll hang from the roof in like a thing and kind of come down slow. I'm going to hang Sue from the roof. Fair enough. All we'll right. use some kind of smoke to look <laughs> for the laser be a beams. This YouTube video. I know it is. <laughs> I'll organize a D&D campaign and then the story will be breaking into Amanda's head. Yeah, all right. Oh, sounds good. <laughs> perfect. Well, let's break into uh, greenhouse life. How does that Absolutely. sound? Nice segue. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so, Sean, we're going to ask you a few questions, and uh, I think we're all really excited to hear what it is that you have to say, especially folks out there who really don't know much about the industry. It's kind of this beautiful, mysterious thing that is very exciting and interesting. So the first question, you know, a great opener. What was what inspired you to open your greenhouse? I know you were talking about a conversation in a vehicle, but what what was the real deep seated inspire inspiration? Okay, I think that's a pretty easy one. Like you do what you love for a job and you'll never work a day in your life. And like back when we were working at the other greenhouse, like a local greenhouse, I was working in a tree lot. And at the time, I couldn't peg a better job. Like at the time I was bouncing around, I'd do like road construction for a summer or something or for spring and then bounce to the greenhouse. And then after that, go do like snow removal and then bounce back to the greenhouse again. And every time you go back to the greenhouse, it's like, oh, I'm home. Like, here we go. Now we're doing it again. And there's like something extremely gratifying um especially when you're working in the tree lot of giving someone a tree or a shrub or something that's going to be a legacy tree it's going to be there for a long time you know you do a lot of things where someone's like picking out um like a memorial tree you know or they've moved they've bought their first house and they're planting a tree in the front yard in the boulevard like those are important steps for somebody to make and the fact that they thought about planting a tree in their front yard at their new home means something so being able to be a part of that's kind of cool um so that kind of makes it feel like home when, when you're a part of it. So trees were kind of where you started then. Uh, but the greenhouse, of course, houses so much more than that. And of course, then you also have to layer a business on top of that. Were you pre- kind of prepared for the business side of having your greenhouse and also knowing that you had to have so many more, I'm going to call them products, when you started? Sure. No, not at all. So the, the whole idea, like on that original conversation with my mom goes, I'll take care of the annuals and the perennials and you can take care of the trees and shrubs. And it very quickly became, um, mom takes care of the annuals and the perennials, and I take care of the trees and the shrubs and everything else. And I'm okay with that. Um, you know, I've, I've got a little bit more, like, piss and vinegar in me. Like, I got a little bit more go, uh, a little bit more eager. And, you know, I'm, I'm young, so I, I have the time ahead of me. But no, I did not anticipate all the things that come with it. You know, at first, there's going to be this glossy-eyed dream of just being like, oh, I'll just sell trees and shrubs, and you can just grow your flowers, and then we'll be on our way. And that is not how business works. No, it really isn't. One day you wake up, and you, you're like, whoa, <laughs> this is more than a job. This is like a business, and you have to do both of them. And watching somebody um, go through that is really interesting. And it, you have to be resilient. You have to be resilient, and you have to fall in love with the things that you have, like the responsibilities that you have to do along the way. 
Like if I hadn't fallen in love with like say marketing, like I fell I fell in love with marketing in probably like 2014, and I'm like, oh, this is fun. Like there's a really a good engagement here. That's a blast. If I hadn't fallen in love with that, it wouldn't have been fun. It would have been just part of the job that I had to remember to do. Um, and then same with like the online store. If I hadn't decided to fall in love with that in 2016, like it would have just felt like another monotonous thing that you have to do in order to stay afloat. So I think falling in love with the things that come across your path that you have to do. Fall in love with it. Get passionate about it. Otherwise, it's, it's going to be half-assed. Uh, totally. I completely agree. Uh, just kind of switching directions a little bit. I think a lot of people, and I know I personally am curious, how did you come up with the name of your greenhouse? Uh, well, that was 100% my mom. Um, we have Scottish roots, like Gaelic roots. And so um, Braheed means like head of the hill. I don't know. It was either that or Maggie's greenhouse. That was my mom's nickname when she was little. So like we could have had Maggie's greenhouse. Um, but yeah, Braheed, head of the hill. So top king of the mountain. I oh, think that's, that's like cool. a, that's pretty cool. I think that's like a super name for you guys because you guys are kind of ahead of the hill. You are kind of out there leaders in your industry, um, with a lot of things that you guys do in, especially for such a short time compared to some other of these greenhouses that have been around since I remember going to them as a as a kid. So I think I think the name suits you really well. Oh well, thank you. Yeah. So I kind of want to know what do you find the hardest in the plant business as you're you know developed and you you kind of started to get into more and more plants and including house plants because I know you didn't start off with them. Um, what what's the hardest part about that? Okay, there's it's a twofold question because there's like physically and emotionally. Well, we'll say there's like emotionally draining, and that is heating a greenhouse in the wintertime. I'm sure Amanda. Can that test. is an incredibly intensive expense. It's got to be a labor of love because you're not seeing any revenue come through the door, and you are putting out thousands of dollars in heat. Yeah. Um, we have like the greenhouse we have is a cold frame greenhouse, um, like a gutter connect cold frame. And so it's not really built for cold weather. Um, we should have got like a, like a hoop house if we wanted to, if we were thinking, but we weren't. And so the heating bill can get outrageous and snow load, um, is a big stress. So that, that financial output, but also that, um, there's no security. Like while you're at home and you're sleeping, you're like, okay, it's minus 40. I'm roughly 26 minutes away from the greenhouse. If it, if the power goes out right now. You can sleep at a minus 40? <laughs> yeah, right. Because I don't. I know I don't. Yeah, well, that's why we actually, um, we bought a fifth wheel and we park it at the greenhouse. And then on those nights where it's like colder than like minus 30, I just sleep in the fifth wheel. I turn the furnace on, sleep there all night. And, yeah, and we're talking we're talking Celsius here. So minus 40 Celsius is the same as minus 40 Fahrenheit. Yep. Which is cold. <laughs> so, um, you know, when we're talking minus 30, minus 40, this is not anything to be messing around with. Yeah. You can kill your crop in minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, in a minus 40 with a wind chill, your, your greenhouse will hold heat for three minutes, four minutes. Yeah. And so you have to stay there. There's no other option. So that would be one of the hardest things. Very, very uh, emotionally exhausting. Minus 30, minus 40 hurts your skin if you're outside. So think of that. And plants are much more sensitive than our, our skin. We've got our, our northern Albertan skin on, if you want to put it that way. And, you know, you mentioned snow and we're not talking skiffs of snow. We are some years we are talking 10, 15 feet of snow and it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Snow's a lot of work. Trying to keep it melted off the greenhouse is an enormous job because like half of your heat will go through the roof and, and it'll just sit there in the snow and melt. Um, so then you're like splashing around in puddles for the next three weeks. Like the, I don't yeah. think there's any greenhouse that's immune to that. Oh, no, it's uh, part of working in a greenhouse is wet feet. Yep. And I imagine uh, I know it used to take a toll on me, but the uh, the May Marathon. Yeah, that was the next one. I remembered it while we were thinking yeah. there. Because, yeah, the, the marathon is uh, it's quite the thing. Yeah, the second, the second most intense thing, what Amanda said, is like 
um, starting March 1st, and then it really goes full swing here by like May 1st, um, and then until about the end of June, you're flat out. You are, you have never worked so hard, and I, you know, I don't want to discredit like what other business owners put into their time, but in a greenhouse, it's different. You know, you're, you're working in 30 degree weather, you're there for 12, 14, 16 hours a day. Just, and at that point, it's just a grind. Like six after, or seven days a week, at least. Oh, yeah, seven days a week. You're there yeah. every day for three months, four months, maybe, and you're putting the grind in. And it wasn't until two years ago, like, we went year-round in 2016, so in 2017, no, 2018, sorry, we decided um, to start hiring the evening shifts out. And, um, like, what a game-changer. Like, I mean, I can't even imagine, like, I was pretty stubborn, but I can't even imagine how Lorraine was feeling working, like, these long shifts all the way through until May and June. But, but once we started hiring out the evening shifts and getting people to close the place from 6 to 9 p.m., what a difference emotionally, physically. Oh, yeah, because by the time, you know, the third week in May rolls around, somebody looks at you funny, you it's either you're going to go into the back and drink or you're going to cry. Yeah. <laughs> like there's... Oh, yeah, there's both of those. <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. It's it's part, of, part and parcel for the industry, I'm sure. I remember when I worked at that first greenhouse when I was young, I was like 18. And uh, I'd, it would be, I would be working the evening shift and I'd be walking by the boss's office and I'd see him in there snoozing. He'd have his door open a gap and he'd have his feet kicked up. And I'm like, oh, like he's always just sleeping all day. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, I wish I had an office to sleep. <laughs> right. <laughs> you do. I think we've crammed about four or five of us in there. It's, it's pretty tight quarters, but <laughs> we've crammed in it. So the next one I wanted to ask you, because I'm really curious to know, what do you find most thrilling about being in the plant business? Okay. Well, there's a couple things. There's like, if you had asked me two years ago, I probably would have said the whole unboxing aspect of it. You know, when you like, um, when you receive in the spring, your boxes of, of spring plugs, they're brand new fresh plants for the year. You haven't seen green for the last six months, seven months. That's exhilarating. When you're pulling those plants out and you're seeing flowers in green for the first time, it's just, it warms your heart. Then the exact same thing for tropicals. You know, you get a new shipment in and you rip the boxes open and it's super exciting to see what's in there. Um, I mean, that comes with, it's a double-edged sword. It comes with its cons we could talk about later maybe, but yeah, I'd say like getting the first crack at spring is probably the most exciting and exhilarating part. Yeah. That first day where the greenhouse warms up and it, it smells warm oh. and it smells like spring's coming. It smells like warm dirt. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sean's making the same face I make, which oh, yeah. is pretty much akin to euphoria. And actually, you know what? We have kind of a unique experience too. Like when you guys should all come, um, in like, uh, you know, third week of April, uh, third week of March. Because our greenhouse in the morning, like we have roll-up doors that we close. So the whole place gets locked up tight for, for night. And when you get there at like eight in the morning and you roll up that first roll-up door and it's the first place for like oxygen to leave the building and you're standing in its way. Oh, it smells so good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty early in the morning for me, but I'll, I'll make it work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll set a date on the calendar. It is. Even in the evenings, like I helped uh, this year in the evenings and I know in the evenings it was kind of the opposite but same thing like the sunset's setting and the smells are kind of coming out and you roll down those doors and it kind of traps it inside mm -hmm. and it's like mm, yeah the cooler temperatures kind of gets the stocks going and um yeah it kind of gets everything more fragrant so there must have been other celebratory moments in your business uh i know i know you're talking about just being in the greenhouse is uh, the most beautiful part but what about when you I don't know, you opened your doors or you turned on your online store or you sure. got your first order or, sure. you know, what, yeah. are, what are some of those moments? Oh yeah, those are all exciting memories. Like, um, so we decided to open the greenhouse in 2012. And so it was like January of 2012 and, or no, sorry, at December of 2012. And I was sitting at the kitchen table with my parents and I go, okay, what, like, um, we should make a Facebook page. Like we should get online somehow. So, so we're doing this stuff. And um, as we're like, we're, you know, kind of, 
recording the process of building the greenhouse on our social media. Um, and we had no idea what we we're doing. Um, I remember my mom shares a photo. We didn't have our property fenced in yet. So the neighbors Buffalo were constantly like in where we were working, which is extremely dangerous, by the way. Don't do that. <laughs> and my mom takes a photo and there's like two Buffalo and they're, um, they're at it together in the, in the cold frame of the greenhouse. And my mom shares a photo on her Facebook. She goes, look, they're fornicating in our, in our greenhouse. <laughs> Yeah. Only she would do that. Oh, uh, bless her I heart. I love your mom. Yeah, see, for the first year, she it was a combination of her and I posting. And then, um, no no offense to her, but I mean, I've deleted a bunch of her stuff from that first year. A bunch of mine as well. I've deleted a ton of embarrassing things. The fornicating one, though, it's still there. I'm, I'll never take it I down. I was going to say, I hope that's <laughs> I know. still there. When you were saying you deleted it, I was like, you didn't delete the one. No, I didn't, de- I didn't delete the fornicating one. That, that one deserves funny. to stay. Yeah, that one, that one gets to stay. So then, so then we decided to do, how did it work? I think May 1st in 2013, we did a soft opening. Whatever that meant at the time to us, we were we had no idea what we were doing, and so we, you know, we we're like, okay, we're open, and so we pushed. We had the, at the time we didn't have that building in the front; just had a, just the greenhouse, and so we pushed open our barn style doors to our crop, and we had one customer, and he spent seven dollars, <laughs> and that was day one. That's exciting, though. <laughs> it's had, one customer, and seven dollars. Yeah, we had quit our jobs for this, like, <laughs> oh, I know, <laughs> it was all on the line. And then uh, day two, I remember this very well. Day two came. And we made 14 and looked at my mom and I'm like, at this rate, we're doubling every day. <laughs> <laughs> I admire your positivity. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, those are really exhilarating. Like we couldn't even believe, um, and it's still, I still feel the same way. I can't even believe that we've created something where people see value in it. Like that's a hard thing to uh, wrap your mind around when you first start doing business for yourself. You're like, is there value here? Right. Absolutely. And I mean, it's kind of opposite now because... You have people lining up outside the door to get into the greenhouse when yeah. when it was opened in the spring. Yeah, it's a hard thing to get used to. Yeah, it's cool. Um, then yeah, like um, I remember the first time. See, the the online store thing was weird because we uh, we were very early to the online game for plants, extremely mm-hmm. early. Um, I'm not. I don't even know for sure if I could think of anybody else that was doing it at the time. I'm sure there was, but none that I was aware of. And I said to my mom, "I'm like, we got to do this. We got to be online. Like, think of the possibilities. We could be." If it's a rainstorm here and no one wants to spend any money here at all, we could be open in Ontario. And that got me fired up. And um, so we opened up like a, we did like a hack job of a website with like weird different companies and like nothing synergized at all. And so inventory was a chaos. And uh, yeah, we had our first sale. It was like 70 bucks or something. We lost everything in shipping. And uh, and then she wanted a refund when she got everything. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. So, yeah, like memories like that are great. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's good to remember that kind of stuff. <laughs> I think every business owner goes through those things. And it, it, I like your positivity because it is easy to let those things consume you. Um, but they are just moments that happen. Then you learn something from them. And, and we love hearing those stories, too, of course. So, you know, if we're going to go back in time a little bit and compare it to now, um, how is the market different, especially, I guess, in tropicals? Let, let's say... 2016 to now, how sure. have things changed? Okay, well, 2016 was a wild time. Like that, um, that was where Tropicals was like busting um, huge. And I, I think, um, I think it was like after, like one year after 2016, where the Tropical boom started, Amanda and I had a conversation where like, this is, there's no way. That yeah, it's this, not sustainable. It can't be. This bubble is going to pop in a year. And we were completely wrong. Which is awesome. Which is great. But so like when you, when you were in 2016, we would do these things we'd call like unboxings. Um, I also kind of coined like houseplant season, which I've seen a lot of like places have now, which is kind of cool. And so like back, um, maybe Amanda can comment way more than I can, but, um, even for a greenhouse that was year round, 
um, like ten years ago, Tropicals was not a main main point of the business. There, there was a couple that, like in Edmonton, because uh, I can speak to Edmonton, there was two or three maybe that had a a good tropical selection. But even that, for the most part, once people were done uh, after Canada Day, that's when everybody takes holidays. You're down to your core staff, yeah. and you're like, okay, who's taking what off? We got time, yeah, because it your tree and shrub lot are still going, but your greenhouse, you, you're, you're vacuuming the underside of benches to make stuff to do. Yeah. So that, so 2016 was a big shift for that. There's a lot of greenhouses that ended up running with the tropical thing. And we're not, they now like, that's a, now a major part of their, like a, some places it's even their only part of their income is tropical oh, absolutely. plants, which is mind boggling to consider that in three years, a whole industry has shifted like that. So in 2016, we would do these like houseplant seasons and we, we made, you know, like July, August, September, October, November, be houseplant season. And I remember in 2016, we would, we would get a tropical shipment. And I used to do a ton of live streams on, on Facebook and YouTube. And we would do a live stream and it would be like, the, like the amount of time it takes to get from Grand Prairie to the greenhouse, it'd be like 11 minutes and there'd be a lineup. You know, I'd, I'd start a live stream. People would hop in their vehicle before they even knew what I was talking about. And then by the time 11, 12 minutes into the video, you go, oh. People are starting to pull in. The phone is ringing off the hook and you're like, okay, got to go. And I'd have to kill the live stream because you're flooded with customers buying tropicals for the next six hours. I may or may not have called in during one of those. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, it ended up getting crazy enough that we actually had to um, like stop accepting phone orders. Um, we had just had to say, listen, I know it's weird. It's 2016, but you got to order online. Actually, I think it was 2017 probably. We're like, you just have yeah, to order online. a little bit of time, time went by. And, you know, talking about houseplant season, you actually won a marketing award for that and other things that you did. Yeah, the marketing order was pretty cool. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for those that don't know, it was actually Chris's doing. Like she was, oh. one, that, she was one that nominated us and wrote up the whole the whole piece for it. And... Uh, well, she did the nominating. I'm pretty sure you did the winning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it was pretty exciting. I did the spending. <laughs> yeah, like that that marketing um, that marketing award meant a lot because up until that point, it was a lot of like. Um, like, I mean, you would see the results when you would do a live stream or you would make a post or you would do, you know, get crafty and do something. But, but having someone outside actually recognize that you did something cool or did, did something that worked was pretty fun. That was actually back in the day when Facebook really pushed events too. They don't push it so hard anymore. But at the time in 2017, it was like Facebook wanted you to make an event page um, and videos. They wanted, they still want videos, but. If I'm not mistaken, uh, you ended up uh, discussing marketing with the, at the Green Industry Show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was invited to the industry, green industry show. Um, it was in Edmonton that year. And yeah, I did a, what was it called? Discovery Days, I think. I think so. Yeah. And so I was invited, invited there and I talked a little bit about, actually that one wasn't, sorry, no, that wasn't marketing. That was actually about, I wanted people to have a website. I didn't want them to have an e-commerce website. I wanted them to have a website. And I said, listen, you don't have to have any credit card processing. You don't have to actually take people's information and charge them over the internet. Here's how you can make money just using your website, whether you're using like, um, like forms to accept like fundraising applications or forms for pre-orders or something like this. I, try, I just tried to show a lot of people that you don't have to have the fanciest of fancy e-commerce websites to make money online. And that was really fun because you're speaking to your people. Oh, exactly. And for those people who don't know, the green industry show here is quite huge. It, everybody that works in Hort has been to at least one green industry show. And it is, it's a heyday. Yeah. And actually, if you, if you're, if you listening at home are interested in that green industry show, um, they started up the um, Discovery Days. You don't have to be a greenhouse owner. You don't have to be part of any association. You can attend completely if you want to. Um, and the Discovery Days, I think they were free. 
I think Discovery Days was free and the it lectures was, were like $15. Yeah, it, it was very reasonably priced. Yeah. So that's a great way if, you just, if you're considering doing something or you just want to know more, Discovery Days at the Green Industry Show, if you're in Alberta, is the way to go. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I feel a road trip coming on. Oh, it's... <laughs> yeah, it's actually in November. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, Noted. it's, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. To compare 2016 to now, where people were rushing through the door to get... Like, it didn't matter what you were getting in. You could open a box and they could see it for the first time and they'd wanted it. Um, and you compare that to 2020, there's still a lot of first timers. There's still a lot of people looking for the pothos, they're looking for the philodendrons and the snake plants, spider plants. But there are an, everybody that got started in 2016 with those kinds of plants. Now, four years later, they have podcasts. They, <laughs> they have insane collections. They know more than we do. Um, you know, it's, it's the millennials that are, you know, taking the hobby to the next level. And, I, and so that's, I thank you for saying I look so young to be a millennial. No, I was like, <laughs> I'm a millennial? <laughs> so, yeah, so it, it's changed a lot. I mean, there's still a lot of new buyers, a lot of people coming in saying, my friend has, or I saw on Instagram or whatever, you know, and I, you know, I really want to try a plant for this kind of environment or whatever. But there's a lot of people that come in and they all, they're just looking for the plants that I have here in the middle of the table. Like, yeah. that, that's what they're looking for. I will credit you with my plant obsession. I, I, Without question. And your mom, Lorraine, as well. I remember one day I was in the greenhouse and I was, Lorraine and I were talking and you came along and she said, you asked what I wanted or what, if I was looking for something. And she said something like, oh, she's going to want Hoya. That was the first time I ever heard that word. And I remember it very clearly. And then, <laughs> and you all know that I have like a lot of them upstairs and you all that have them as well. That was a slippery slope. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. that, that was like, uh, I remember that moment yeah. and it happened with your mom and I just, what a cool moment, honestly. See, it, it's a lot easier to get me, if I can get my mom just to whisper the word Hoya into people's ears rather than breaking into their phone and recording like sleep, like sleep playlists, you know. Hoya. <laughs> she doesn't even need to. She just has to look at you with that twinkle in her eye and say, oh, she wants a Hoya. Yeah. Oh, she's deadly when she's excited about something. Oh, yeah. She gets this look on her face and yeah. it's just like, yes, Lorraine, whatever you want, Lorraine, I am in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely a plant lover. Oh, just yeah. a, anything she gets excited about, though. Yeah. She just, oh, man. She just ordered a pottery, pottery wheel today. I seen that. I was like, I Ooh. already asked her. I was like, where'd you get that? Because I've been looking for one and they're really hard to find. So now I know. Yeah. I think she wants to do like um, a lot of stuff just for fun. But I, I think she really wants to like as a hobby do pottery and then just start bringing it to the greenhouse and getting rid of it there. Yeah. I love that. It's kind of fun. Love I'll that. be buying. So over time, we've had this influx of tropical hobbyists. Uh, we, well, I in particular, one of them, I think that Sue and Amanda probably were before me. But how did the retail and wholesale markets react to that? Do you think that they did a good job? Okay, retail markets, I think, did a phenomenal job. If you take a look at like how accessible plants are, um, incredible job. I mean, everyone jumped online. Even before the pandemic, people were jumping online and or had plans to be online. Um, I think the pandemic expedited it. Um, but yeah. I, I think in general, a lot of places got on board really fast um, in the retail aspect, making them accessible. The wholesale, um, I'm not so sure. I mean, at, at this point in time, in 2020, um, in August when we're recording, they're really struggling to keep up. Um, and like you can't, I mean, I'm sure they'd be able to keep up if there wasn't a pandemic. Um, but like I just got an availability list today, which just so you guys know they're listening, um, every week your wholesalers send you a list and that's on that list it is all of the plants that they can ship you for the week. And, um, you know, like three years ago, that list would be two pages or sometimes even three pages long, um, just rattling off Latin names and prices. And I got the one today and like, it was even worse than one I sent you last week. Oh, jeez. Oh, wow. Like even worse. Like it's, it's. That's sad. You know, maybe, maybe eight plants. And this is like from the biggest greenhouses in Southern BC. Um, so part of it's pandemic, part of it's probably just struggling to keep up. 
Well, and I think you and I both have the experience that a, in a greenhouse, you are never, what you're working on in the background, wh- what you're working on in the background is not what's right now. You are always working a season or two ahead uh, of where you are now. So I think everybody got a surprise in March and now it's too late to react because these things take time to grow. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. We went down, we didn't go down this year, but last year we went a bunch and the year before we'd go down to Southern BC and like visit the greenhouses and shake hands with the people we talked through email all the time. And we'd go for walks and their greenhouses were like filled to the brim with plants. Like I don't even think you could fit any more in there until the next crops are ready to come in. Yeah. And they were just pulling like table after table after table off of their floor. Like they'd have a greenhouse bigger than mine filled with African violets, for example, and they would just pull a whole table off. And like now there's not African violets on the, on the list anymore. Like that kind of stuff yeah. is not available. Well, that's kind of interesting. So you can kind of get ahead of the trends too and see what's coming and going. Uh, well, you, are, well, yeah, like, but you are the trend. Like what you, what you bring in will affect what is bought, being bought and sold. Um, and you experience a trend if it's happening live. Like you are there, you bring in a plant, you put it on your shelf. And if it's gone in five minutes, you go, this is the trend. If I think you can predict it a little bit too, because um, so the philodendron Birkin. Mm-hmm. I remember um, not too long ago, they were really hard to get. And now uh, online, there's you can order them practically like in a lot of different places. So you can see, you can kind of pick one that's like, okay, that one is going to be really popular. So in X amount of time, sure. that's, you know, it's going to be available to the public, I guess, or like in sure. a generally larger amount. I feel like we also, it, like all four of us exist in this really cool hobby where things uh, inevitably will become more accessible. The more people that collect it, the more accessible it will be. Absolutely. Versus a, a hobby with hockey cards, stamps, coins, those kinds of things. Once someone buys the one collectible coin from 1902, now there's only 12 left. <laughs> and there's never going to be more. Yeah, exactly. Whereas plants, um, and especially in this weird one where people just like to hoard them, they will collect like a little two-inch pot. As soon as it's big enough to cut, they cut instantly. And they try and get their money back out of it. You know, and that's, that's going to keep going. So any plants that are hard to get now, try again in a year. Much oh yeah, you'll be able to find them, no problem. I've been trying to get a Jody Silver for like four years, so... <laughs> okay, in Jody Silver's defense, you could have had that Hoya four years ago. I know, and I didn't buy it because I didn't want to spend like the $100. What was I thinking? Because now it's like way more, and also you can't get it. Just yeah, the... looked at the US price list, it's $300. Yeah, I saw that today too. What's what the Jody the Silver? Is that a Hoya? It yeah. is a, it's a compacta, okay. but it is all silver. It's oh, beautiful. Cool. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's like the gray ghost yeah, of compacta. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, like this whole importing thing. Like a lot of people are, are well, we'll say you used last year as an example. A lot of people were getting their import permits and bringing plants over. I mean, there was even a couple examples locally where people would apply for their import permit. They had zero interest in making money whatsoever, and they would just copy and paste the import permit or copy and paste the availability list from Thailand and say, okay, here's the list of the plants they have. Here's what they cost right directly from the source. You tell me what you want and I'll charge you $2 to ship it to you. And that kind of thing really changes how the market works. Yeah, and that really hurts the retailer as well. Like it's great for finding plants that you you can't necessarily find, but man, does it sting for the retailer. Sure, and for the hobbyist who's been in it for a long time. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yes, like, yes it, it does. It kills your collection. or yeah. Not really, but. It, it kills the value of your collection. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it kills a little bit of the thrill too. Like all of a sudden you're like, oh, because there's one that you maybe you wanted, like the the compacta, um, the Jody, and you know, people you want it and 
you didn't get it, but now it'll probably be, you know, another year or so and it'll be everywhere. I don't think that's one that will be everywhere. That's why I'm so sad that I didn't get it when I should have. <laughs> yeah, but people were saying that about Albo Philodendrons too, or Albo Monsteras. Yeah, maybe. You know, like three years ago, it was like it was a, there was no way you were ever going to get that plant in your collection. Yeah, well, you and can now, get them for 850 bucks now. See, yeah, exactly. Yeah. See, now I know somebody in Grand Prairie that's got three of them. One, yeah, exactly. One person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And pe- people are like that. Yeah. Okay, so you and I have both been working in greenhouses for a long time. And... We've had our fair share of being the customer and dealing with customers. What's one thing that you could say to a customer that would improve their overall experience? Okay. It might not be an exciting answer. It usually isn't. And it might not create too much conversation after. But I would say bring a magnifying glass. You know what? I would agree with that completely. Yeah. Like, I know that uh, you guys check for pests. I know that I check for pests every time. I go to a greenhouse, but you're one person and as much as you, as much time as you can dedicate to looking for pests and bugs in your plants, there's, it's so easy to miss stuff. Yeah. It's uh, a a lot of places will look for bugs. A ton of places will not. Um, A lot of places they don't understand how big of a deal it is. When we were doing the live streams in 2016, half my live streams were me throwing things away and showing people like, look at me toss this stuff in the garbage. And I was trying to build a reputation of like, I was like, listen, if we're going to throw this stuff away because it's got covered in bugs, we're going to film it and let people know. Otherwise, what's the point? Exactly. So we would like, I'd do a video and I'd grab a bunch of neon baskets that had spider mites. They go, look, here's what we're doing, you guys. This is why you want to shop here. I want you to see how. And um, if these other greenhouses aren't doing that, if they're not doing the inspection or tossing away the ones when they do find them or quarantining and taking care of them, which is extremely tough in a greenhouse. Um, then you, should, you need to be doing your own inspections. Now, you were saying like, you know, you're only one guy or, you know, when you go shopping, there's only, you know, everyone's like fallible. Unfortunately, it's like, it's almost like a system built for failure. It in is. In my opinion. Um, there's like, there's a lot of people who want all of their plants, whether they're eating them, whether they're outside, inside, it doesn't matter. They want them to be pesticide free. Mm-hmm. And um, that makes it really, really tough when they're bringing plants from across, from over the borders. And so, you know, you know, the large box stores, like, I, I don't want to throw any names out there, but. Um, we the, call them stores with fluorescent lighting. The fluorescent lighting stores. Yeah. They, um, they'll have like a, con- a contract with like a wholesaler that I use. Um, and, and that company will say, okay, listen, we, we want to buy our plants from you, but um, there can't be any pesticides in the plants at all. And so now that affects me. I don't care if a plant has pesticide in it at all. Yeah. Unless, unless it's a, an annual that's going to have um, some sort of a pesticide that will affect the bees. But in regards to, I'm talking about tropicals, bring on the pesticide. I want it to arrive to me bug-free. But because there's um, these fluorescent lighting stores, but because there's these stores that have the buying power and control to say, I don't want, I don't want any pesticide in my plant, um, it really affects how the plants arrive to you in your box. And then across the border, when they're shipping things over, they'll actually use a suppressant instead of a pesticide, which, mm-hmm. which just um, knocks the bug out. It makes them go to sleep. So they're not reproducing as fast. They're not eating as fast. And so what will happen is, um, you know, in Florida, they'll use a suppressant they, because they're not allowed to use any pesticides. Yep. They'll put it in a box. They'll ship it to Canadian wholesalers. Canadian wholesalers don't want to use any sort of a pesticide. They, they're not allowed um, because of the big contracts they have. And then they'll quickly put it in a box within a week and get a ship because they don't want the bugs waking up, waking up in their doorstep either. Oh, exactly. So then they arrive in my greenhouse or your greenhouse or somebody else's greenhouse. You open the box, they look good. And then a week later, the spider might start waking up. And that's why a lot of people will go, 
well, I don't know. It was so beautiful when I saw it at the store and then I brought it home and then a week later it's dying. And that's because, like, the bugs are waking up. Oh, exactly. Are you still having the battle, Sue, with a croton? Yes, it's outside. And I, I first took it as a challenge, but now I, uh, I'm kind of done. I'm over it. Yeah, throw it away. But it does explain, like I was saying, they're, they're, they're sneaky little critters. They, they hide and you don't see them. And then all of a sudden one day they're like, hello, I'm here. But that's probably exactly what happened to me. I went to a, a large greenhouse. Um, my husband picked out the croton and it was great. And then all of a sudden one day a leaf was on the floor and I'm like, hmm, better look at it again. Cause I looked at it really, really careful a couple of times. And I even sprayed it just as precaution when I got home and, uh, then it got covered. So, and I noticed when I sprayed it, it was really, really covered. So that's what happens. See, They're it, just sleeping. It begs the question. It's like, how does it happen so fast? Like how could that plant have lived for two years before you got it looking beautiful and stunning? And then you take it home and it's covered in spider mites a week later. But yeah, were... exactly. It had them before. Yeah, it yeah, had yeah. before. Absolutely. They're just snoozing. Yeah, they're just sleeping. And it makes the world as, as I'm glad I learned yeah. something new today. Yeah, and so like when we're doing our, when we open up our boxes and we're doing inspections, like we're looking for snoozing bugs. We're not looking for things that are crawling around. You're looking in the nooks and crannies. You're looking for like little tiny white fluffs. You might not see any mealy bug, but you might see the fluff. And that's a sign that, you know, they're snoozing. Yeah. Okay. So hard hitting question time, <laughs> Sean. Super hard hitting question time. Br- bring it on. All right. So. Because inquiring minds, I know my favorites and, and the ones I don't like. What is your favorite annual to grow? Oh, man. Favorite annual to grow. It's actually a harder question than any of you guys realize. Wait, because you grow them all, right? Well, there's so many. Yeah. Exactly. And so many reasons they might be your favorite. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I'm struggling with here. I'm like, well, there's some that are really rewarding, but there's others that are just like, I enjoy them because they're so easy. Okay. Or some because they grow so fast. Most rewarding. Most rewarding, I'm going to say are begonias, like nonstops. Oh, yeah. They're like, they're super unpleasant to grow when they're tiny. Um, they're like, they're so easy to mess up um, when they're just in a tiny little plug out of the tray um, because they're wrapped in so much like loose soil and they hold moisture. And so they're it's a really fickle game with water and you don't want to do it wrong. Um, but when they all start popping flowers at the same time and the table and they're like lush, they're filling up their containers and they're starting to flower at the same time. There we go. That's the most rewarding plant. Yeah. Okay. Easiest. Well, like that's, I mean, I could cheat and say like a Dracaena spike. Well, okay, that, <laughs> okay, for those of you who don't know, Dracaena spikes are actually a two-year crop. So when you order in your spikes for the season, they're pretty much, you pull them out of the tray, you put them in your pot, you root them out, you're good. That, that's, that's the whole process right there. Uh, I think I, I enjoy a well-timed crop of marigolds. Oh yeah, marigolds, oh yeah, after timed right. That's, that's a really good one. And another easy, or another, was the question easy? It is, uh, right? Yeah, we're on easy right now. Yeah, tomatoes. Yeah. And also pleasant, like just pleasant to be around, pleasant to water, pleasant to steak. Mm-hmm. Like the smell is just, you know, like even if I'm not the one doing it and I'm just walking pack, past the table, it's like Bonnie is picking away, wrapping them in trellises. Just the smell that she's stirring up. Uh, yeah. It's pretty pleasant. Not the easiest though. Like, I mean, I mean, they're easy, but I mean, you're watering them every single day. Oh you know, yeah, some they're crops, thirsty. Some crops you can skip, whereas tomatoes, you're like, who, who watered the tomatoes? Nobody? All right, I'm on it. Yeah. Okay, so least favorite annual to grow. Okay, Namisha. Oh, gosh, yeah. I, oh, it's terrible stuff. I, if it wasn't for Lorraine, we wouldn't carry Namisha. Yeah. Um, like, for those listeners, like, they are extremely picky um, with how much water they get. We've tried a lot of different things. Like, we've tried uh, growing them on upside down trays to let more airflow underneath. Mm-hmm. We tried growing them, originally we 
used to groom on like a solid surface, which was clearly, oh, that's, a, clearly that's a bad a idea. Recipe for disaster. Yeah. So, but we're still trying to figure out. But it seems like every year they get covered in fungus nets. Um, they're just they get moist, like way too wet, um, scraggly. I don't like nature. Well, I we'll actually, out, I, I find lobelia to be the same way. If your lobelia gets a little bit too dry and you water it, all of a sudden you've got lobelia mush. Mm-hmm, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. That sounds awesome. Oh, it's got this. <laughs> or or, or portulaca. Oh yeah, it's got this great smell to it that's kind of akin to a mud puddle meets swamp, and yeah, it's it's slimy. It's gross. I would say that I would say the if we were to bounce back to like the hardest scrub, I, I would say like looking at um like portulaca. Whenever I do like a greenhouse visit, and I just go around and visit all my friends that have greenhouses in the area, I would say portulaca is the one I see people messing up with the most. I judge people on their portulaca crops. I do. I, I, you know what? This year we we got a whole bunch of um, portulaca flats from some hutterites at a local hutterite colony. Yeah. Um, when they were wrapping up their season, they brought it all over to us. And like, I want to know their secrets because hutterites know how to grow portulaca. Yes, they do. Oh, I couldn't believe it. I was like, how did you do it? And it was like, and not to mention, it was like mid-June. Oh, and just stunning. In four packs in mid-June. Like oh, wow. Heat. Like, I'm like, I don't know how you're doing it. I love portulaca. It's so, I didn't, I didn't really even know what it was until a couple of years ago, but it's quite lovely. You know what I like about them? Their flowers look like Opuntia flowers, but they're tiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know that like big, oh, they're beautiful. I like Portulaca a lot. Yeah, they're a pretty one. Yeah. And I have some from that that batch that came in that you got from the Hutterites oh, and, yeah. and it's still going strong. Yeah, they're beautiful plants. Yeah. They do, they do really well in pots. They're forgiving when they're in pots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a hard question for you. What three plants would you save if your house was on fire? Oh, I think that's pretty easy. Um, I'd probably save, I have a Hoya Carnosa that is quite old like we're talking over 100 years old for sure i'd bring that one and mine isn't like mine's just a cutting off a cutting off a cutting um but it came from my grandma which in turn came from my mom so the carnosa comes out and it's actually flowering for the first time i've never had a flower that's and exciting and it's doing that right yeah, now that's so awesome. i'd take i'd take that one and it's pretty tangled on an a-frame so it'd get hurt but i'd grab it and run <laughs> um the next one is probably this raffidophora uh i'd probably save that one the one in the middle of the table pretty awesome and then I think the next one would probably be the Thai Constellation that I got as a wedding gift. I don't, I never get rid of gifts. No matter how like simple, like I've got a cactus that I wanted like a plant made up in my bathroom. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not a cactus, the only cactus in my house. Well, other than Rick Rat Cactus, but I'm never getting rid of it. You know, that, I'm kind of that kind of person. So a lot of them are nostalgic. Like this was a gift. Yeah. This Raffidophora was a gift from Andrew. I, 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 keep, uh, I keep a whole of sentimental plants as well. You have to. That's the only ones that exactly. matter. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have had your online store for a while now. And of course, that means you are shipping plants and being in Canada, especially there, that must come with challenges. So how did you, how did you figure out your systems and your processes and even your rules behind how you ship plants out? Sure. Okay. So the first thing is like, we, like we pick orders as soon as they come in. If you wait like six hours to pull an order, that means that like you might've ordered a rickrack cactus online. And if I wait six hours to pull your rickrack, there's six hours of customers picking the best rickrack in front of you. So you know, we pull orders thinking like if I was a customer and I was looking at the Rick Rack tray, which one would I pull? Um, so there's that aspect. You're shopping for the customer. It's different than a pair of shoes where you just grab the number off the shelf and you run. Um, two is like wrapping it. Um, I see so many different ways. Um, when we first opened, we thought that saving weight mattered. And so we would actually like unpot the plant, take some of the soil off, wrap it in like paper towel or uh, like a uh, paper wrap, like newsprint. Um, and then tape it <clears throat> that it's like twofold for one, like you're just unnecessarily stressing the roots. So there's no point. Um, and two is like, we actually had a lot of people being like, Oh, I thought it would come with a pot. And are you guys going to ship me a pot now? And they're actually a little bit like bad about it. 
So we've stopped doing that. Now we just ship everything in this pot. Unless it's like a really heavy thing, like a, like a lithop that's planted in grit or like an Opuntia cactus planted in gravel. That kind of stuff comes out. But if it's like a tropical, it's getting shipped in its soil. Um, so there's like a, a lot of different ways to wrap a plant depending on what kind of plant it is. If it's like, um, like if it's like a generic tropical, like if we're, if we're talking like um, snake plants, pothos, hoyas, this kind of stuff, um, we paper we paper wrap it. We don't water it before we ship it, um, unless it's like a, a little thirsty guy. But typically things aren't. And um, we'll wrap it and um, pull the top of the bag over the plant. So it's self-contained. So if like that one plant, I don't know, let's just say a chip of the bug or something like who knows. Um, or if I don't know if there's something unhappy in the soil or something, um, that problem doesn't move to the next plant over, which is really nice. It's a lot more time consuming when you're shipping, but you can get pretty quick. Um, then things like um, things with heavy, um, like heavy soil, like if it's like a grit or a rock, we'll actually um, like bare root it, wrap that bare root plant in paper towel and tape it and wrap it in a bag after. And then the grit will actually ship separately in like a Ziploc baggie so that they can have the soil to plant when they get home. Um, it's still added weight to the bag, but it's nice to have because we want it planted in the same stuff as when we of shipped course. it. Yeah. And then carnivorous plants are actually the most frustrating because um, mm. they have to stay so wet. Um, and also, like, typically, I don't know if you guys have, you'll notice now, but, like, carnivorous plants, the plant itself is always very delicate, like, mm-hmm. physic- physically delicate. The leaves want to break, the pictures want to break off, the traps want to get triggered a whole bunch of times and then die. Um, and sundews, like, good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sundews are, I, I've only shipped, had them shipped to me once. No, thanks. Yeah. Never again. So we actually came up with a pretty clever way. So what we do is we, um, we take a slice of cardboard and we cut it so it fits just inside the rim of the pot. and then. Um, you can, if you're listening at home, you can imagine the shape of a lollipop, and we just cut that lollipop out of the center of the cardboard, and then we slip the plant through the lollipop handle into the center of the lollipop. We push that lolly or push the cardboard down onto the top of the soil, onto the grit, and then we tape it down, um, and then we wrap it in paper after. Oh, that's a, that's good. It works really well. The grit stays like totally down as long as you tape it really well, um, and then the plant is protected by the bag. And we we haven't had any complaints yet. Nice. So that's a pretty good way to ship. We we came up with that, and we feel pretty clever about that one. So you've made some changes to your greenhouse recently. Uh, I was watching the live stream at the end of June uh, where you had made a decision. And I thought it was a really interesting decision. Uh, how did you... First, why don't you tell us about that and how you came to that decision? Okay, so what she's talking about is um, from 2013 to 2016, or yeah, until 2015, we were seasonal, which meant that we were only open for like two to three months of the year. And then we would quit or shut down and then go work elsewhere, like work at a ski hill or landscape or do whatever. And then we would come back the next season and start again. Then in 2016, we decided to go year round. Now, now the whole reason, see, like with a lot of greenhouses, when you're, season, when you're a seasonal greenhouse, there's usually just one owner. And so that, that seasonal greenhouse just has to make enough money that you can pay one person for the rest of the year. And you need to make that money in, in three months. And then as long as there's enough money to pay one person for the rest of the year, you can close, relax, reopen next year. But with our situation, there was two. So we were trying to create um, a, a business model where you can make enough money in three months to pay two people really really tough especially in such a short season that we have here and so we in 2016 i looked at Larry and i just go you know what i am so tired of starting at the bottom of the, of the totem pole at all these like summer jobs i go to like we got to be able to figure something out and i was like i'm sure we could i'm like what about houseplants and she's like you got to sell a lot of houseplants and i go don't worry <laughs> I, think <laughs> I think we can get it i got this yeah and so we went and we went in 2016 we did that and so that was a segue to a lot of different things we are not afraid to try new stuff so we've done like we've done seasonal We've done year round. We did a kiosk in the local mall. We did one year or two years, I think, where we just did con- like consecutive, nonstop, multi-town um, trade shows. 
Um, then we did online. Like, so we've been experimenting with a lot of different things over the years. Um, online, Amazon, eBay, all this different kinds of stuff. And I look at the shift that Chris is talking about in 2020, where we made a video in June and said, okay, listen, everybody, we know it sucks. We're going to go back to being seasonal again. And that's because there's a lot of new ways. Well, for one, the business has built itself into something that's a lot different than it was in 2016, where we can actually make enough money in the, in the three or four months to float two people's income for the rest of the year. But there's also a lot of supplementary income that we get through the online store where we don't actually have to be open. We don't have to be stuck to the greenhouse every day, seven days a week. Um, so that was part of the decision-making too. So it's been an interesting time. Like, I don't know what to do with my days. I st- I, other than my camping trips, I still go in every single day. I, I'm a little jealous over here. I'm like, oh, I still have crop to check. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's nice not having a crop. We actually started our own, we have like our own tropical crops now. Nice. Um, so we like actually do our own cuttings and, and plant our own plants. Um, move them from two to four and four to six inch, that kind of stuff. So we're, I still go in every single day, whether I'm shipping to Amazon, shipping customers or their orders or receiving shipments um, or watering our crops, that kind of stuff. Um, so we still go in every day, um, but we can come and go as we please. Like I can, nice. I can go into work at 10, you know, I can go to work at noon if I want. So that's kind of pleasant. Um, it's a nice change of pace after a busy season and after like six years of go. Well, yeah. and that's a smart way to build a business because you want you can either work or not. And I think that whatever, whichever one you choose to do, you plan for it and you, and you make that happen. So, you know, I always really admired you and Lorraine because you were never afraid to make a, try something or make a decision that was right for you. And I think it's easy for folks out there to, when you're a business owner, that's, you have to do that. Otherwise you're, you don't want to have the business anymore. I think it's so easy for the, for the business to run you. And like, if you can diversify enough, um, where you can have like enough different like sales channels where you are not necessarily relying on one specific thing. It gives you the freedom to try th- different things and experiment with different things. And so like in a, you know, if you had asked me in 2016, Hey, Sean, do you think in three years or four years, do you think that you'll be running like a, and you're, we be get being paid entirely from e-commerce? Like I would have laughed. There's not a chance, <laughs> but you just kind of roll with the punches and see where the world takes you. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a lot of fun. Where do you think the world's taking you next? Well. The goal with going back to being seasonal is, is actually to put ourselves financially ahead. Um, like the, the winter heating, like winter heating for a seasonal greenhouse, when you start heating March 1st and you end, you stop heating like around May. When you go year round, you're heating from like October 31st and you're heating all of November, all of December, all of January. And that's an enormous bill. October 31st, if it's been an unseasonably mild fall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like once you start heating those greenhouses, man, it's, it drains you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Financially and emotionally. So, um, so the goal is the, the goal for the next, like, uh, I would say like the three year plan is that we've actually already purchased, um, a second greenhouse that we haven't put up yet. Um, we've kind of built the greenhouse debt free, so we really don't like taking loans. So we bought the greenhouse, um, last year, I think in 2019. Yeah, it was last year. You guys got it. So we bought it in 2019. Um, and then we outgrew their little retail space that we built kind of built this little retail space in front of the greenhouse and that's where we occupy in the wintertime and we've outgrown it. It's just too tight. Um, and so the next plan is going to be um, build a larger retail space, one that's probably about four to five times larger than what we have now um, and in a slightly different location um, after we've cash flowed that and we've built that retail space and we can actually like have enough volume of goods that 
you can be stocked for a week. Because our, our problem right now is that you would bring in a shipment of plants in the tiny space. And by day two, people are like, oh, when's your next shipment? And you're like, I just got it. I just got a shipment. So when we have a larger space, we'll be able to like stock more and actually float ourselves through the week with stock. Um, and then after that, then we'll put up that second greenhouse. I, I don't think people realize shipping can be quite a challenge mm -hmm. up here to, to get your stock from your supplier. Shipping up here can be quite the challenge. Like how, do, how are you guys dealing with that? It's not easy to get live goods to Edmonton, uh, you know, which is where I have experience with. Yeah. Getting them up here five hours north of that. Okay. Well, there's a couple of benefits. Like there's, um, there's three companies now that actually do direct trucking. There used to be only one and two other companies have picked it up. So now they actually will bring it straight to your greenhouse. That's exciting. It's only good if they understand that not all greenhouses have loading bays. And um, we've, yeah. seen, we've, we've seen um, trucks before open their back door and everything's on a cart, like not wrapped in boxes or anything. Oh, and it's no. like minus 30 outside. And you're like, oh, close the door, bring it back. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it helps when they direct, direct truck. Um, otherwise, yeah, it's just an extra leg, an extra expense. You have to pay another trucking company to bring it from Edmonton to Grand Prairie. Yeah. Yeah. But we bought um, a greenhouse van five years ago. It had 350,000 kilometers. I spent 500, bu <laughs> 500 bucks on it, and I thought, okay, we'll use it for the year. It's still going. It's the most wow. reliable, reliable truck at the, or vehicle at the greenhouse. That's awesome. That's incredible. <laughs> well, we're just uh, a little bit over our hour now, but I, Sue, is there anything else you wanted to, to ask Sean? I think that's everything. I feel like this was Sean part one, and that we'll have to have uh, down the road Sean part two. Oh, yeah, well, I definitely love to talk, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good questions. Are, are you kidding? Good Did answer. you hear the soils one? I'm the one that talks. Yeah. They just let me talk for an hour. <laughs> uh, well, Sean, it was amazing to have you with us today. Thank you for being our first guest. Um, I think that our listeners are really going to enjoy everything you had to say. If you're looking for the website for Braheed, it is shopbraheed.com. And Braheed is B-R-A-E-H-E-I-D.com. Stick a shop in front of that and you can find... Braheed Gardens on Instagram at at Braheed. We, of course, are also on social media. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Fancy Plants Podcast. We are on Instagram at Fancy Plants Podcast. And you can email us at social at fancyplantspodcast.com. Send us your questions, your pictures, your stories. We'd love to hear from you. Our next episode, we get into the dirtiness of fertilizers. And Amanda's excited. You're not letting me talk for a full hour. We're, we're not. That's just not happening. <laughs> I have a feeling that is what will happen, but we'll see how it goes. Me and Sue will pepper you with questions and you can. Uh, and I know Sue has a lot of knowledge in this area as well. I fully expect to learn something by the end of next next week's episode. No pressure at all. No <laughs> pressure. You're fine. It's fine. I don't really know anything, so it shouldn't be that difficult. Also. OK, so. Listen, fellow plant lovers, a few weeks ago, we mentioned doing some sort of giveaway and then uh, we kind of forgot. So, you know what? We're going to make it up to you. We're actually working on a giveaway. We'll be announcing that in episode nine, our next episode. Uh, I think it's going to be pretty fabulous. So make sure to tune in and listen to that. We'll give you the details. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we love talking plants with you. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for having me, guys. Come on, sugar mama. Get your green on. I love a green color. The fancy plants.